Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Heather Ann Campbell is one of America's great improvisers. She has studied under the legendary Del Close in Chicago, performed overseas with Boom Chicago in Amsterdam, appeared on Mad TV, written for Saturday Night Live, and helped jumpstart Fox's ADHD animation domination high definition. In Los Angeles, you've seen her or taken classes from her everywhere you possibly could, from the UCB Theater, the Groundlings, IO West, and the Pack. She's written and performed with The Midnight Show and The Eric Andre Show. While pitching new shows to the networks, she's currently a regular on the CW's Whose Line Is It Anyway? There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get to it! So, Heather. Hello. Um, thank you for letting me in your home. Of course. Uh, last things first. Do you remember the first time you ever watched Whose Line Is It Anyway? Um, not the first time. I remember watching it um, as a kid. Uh, I remember watching it in my mom and dad's basement. Mm-hmm. My dad had that, you know, the big uh, projection TV that, that has like, it's kind of fuzzy looking. Right. You know? Uh, and I remember watching it on uh, Comedy Central, maybe, uh, way back when. The and British version. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, the British version ran on Comedy Central, and then there was an American version on, yeah. on the ABC. I, I, I watched the British version on Comedy Central. My parents had cable for a year, I think. Uh, and that was the year that Whose Line was on Comedy Central. So I watched it then. And it how, was... How fortuitous. It was great. It was great. I was like, oh, I want to do this. Right. How old were you? I don't, when you, when I don't you know, because um, I don't know when it was airing, but okay. like I would say eighth grade, seventh grade, okay. something like that. It was certainly before so I... So before you started Yeah, doing, before I had started improvising. Because you started improvising... Really young. Really young. Yeah. yeah. How Was that something that you had to convince your parents and the theater, or... Well, m- no. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I didn't convince anybody. I, um... I, so there was a, a like an, a, what do you call it? Field trip at my, okay. uh, at my high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, uh, teacher brought us to Improv Olympic, uh, which is now IO. Right. Uh, and I saw the show cause he was a, it was like an after school theater program sort of a thing. Okay. Cause we didn't have an actual theater program, but there was a guy who I think just volunteered to teach high school kids theater. And you were in the city or you the suburbs? In the city. Okay. Uh, and so he um, he brought us to the uh, to the show, and I was like, "This is fantastic!" And there was an open the, the jam uh, mm-hmm. on uh, Friday nights, and I think it was hosted by Joe Canale and Bob Scoopian. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll come back!" And so I came back on Friday. I assume either. I took the train or my friends brought me or I, my parents dropped me off. I have no, I mean, cause I didn't realize that it was an important day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think it was at the time? I just thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think it was like, Oh, this is going to be the first time I ever do improv on a stage with people. Uh, and it'll change your life. And forever. it's going to really it, like, this is the moment. <laughs> this is the, 
the, the core moment is whatever that Friday was. Well, what was the plan before that Friday? So that Thursday, what were you... What were your hopes and dreams? Uh, I wanted to be a writer and a director. Okay. Uh, I really, I really liked writing growing up, um, and I thought that I wanted to be an archaeologist uh, because I loved Indiana Jones. Who didn't? Uh, but then I realized, oh, archaeology isn't like this. It, it's the movie that I like, not the not the archaeology. So uh, I gave up on archaeology and was like, I want to direct something like this. Um, and then, yeah, going to I.O. changed my life. Right, because now you actually perform on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, now I perform on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh. <laughs> Voice of approval. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> when you... So what was the first thing you signed up for at I.O.? Uh, the, uh, well, I went... I did the jam for, I would say, two years. Because uh, I didn't even know there were classes. I just thought that was... I thought you did the jam. I thought and it was then, like, like a dance party, but for comedy. Yeah, yeah. I thought you did the jam, and then eventually you got on a show. Uh, and at some point, Sharna was like, hey, you, you should take a class. And I was like, in what? <laughs> and they were like, no, we teach comedy classes. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, she had an idea that I was young, I think. Um, but I had never – I was just – I looked really old as a kid. Uh, I looked older as a kid than I do now, uh, wow. sort of Benjamin Button style. Nice. Um, and so nobody carded me, and I just started taking classes and then was in a show. And yeah. So, what was the first class she convinced you to take? Hers. Okay. Yeah, it was her <laughs> class. Uh, I still remember um, I got yelled at in the first, uh, first time up mm -hmm. because uh, the suggestion was suicides. Mm. Suicide. Uh, and in grade school and in high school, uh, suicide is a, f a type of uh, basketball exercise oh. where you run and touch a line on the on a free throw line and run back sure, and touch a line yeah. and run back. And so that's how Something I was like, you do in basketball. Practice, I was like, yeah. oh, this is an interesting way to interpret the suggestion. Shuttle run or suicide. Yeah. And started running the, the floor and touching mm -hmm. uh, and initiating. I'm running suicides, assuming that my partner would either go. All right, all right, great, and either suggest mm -hmm. like some other insane uh, exercise for me to do, or it'd be like you're ready to play basketball, whatever the response would be. And she stopped and went, Heather, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, suicide. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I'm doing a suicide. She's like, that's it. You, nobody would know that. So you <laughs> sit down. You have to interpret the suggestion in a way. And then my scene partner, whoever it was, was mm -hmm. like, oh. No, that's a basketball thing. She, I knew what she was doing. I just didn't have a chance to respond yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was like, oh, well, sit, sit down anyway. <laughs> right, your choice yeah. is too creative. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and I, then I didn't go up again because I was scared. I was like, I don't, maybe I don't understand this at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought I did the right thing. And but, but you did. Well, now, yeah, now I know I did. But at the, the you day of... Did. You actually did something that that would be rewarded because you're not doing the obvious. Well, um, I, it was my very first if, cla class experience was getting yelled at for doing suicides that way. Do you think? What, what do you think Dell would have said? Well, I took from Dell, right? Uh, so if if that class was with Dell and you interpreted that way, do you think? How do you think he would respond? Uh, you know, I I don't know. You would have been like, mm, <laughs> movement is good. <laughs> 
it's good to move around maybe once in a while in mm-hmm. a scene, but <clears throat> uh, you should still connect with your partner. All right, take a seat. You know, like whatever. <laughs> or he would have been like, "You're terrible. I don't know your name." Uh, he, no, he was. He was never. He was always very nice to me. Uh, and I know that there are sort of legendary experiences of right. of humans being treated in like derogatory ways by him or women specifically being sort of um pushed pushed over mm-hmm. or whatever. I never had any of those experiences with Dell. He was nothing but nice and supportive. So I feel like I didn't get the Dell experience. But you did get a Dell experience. I did get a Dell experience, yeah. So but but with Sharna's class, you were saying that when she had you sit down that kind of intimidated you for a little well, bit? Well, I thought, I mean, you know, when you're a kid mm-hmm. and uh, an adult tells you that you're doing something wrong, you t- take it as sort of gospel and you're like, okay, I don't know what I did wrong, but clearly I did something wrong. Uh, and even, I mean, it took, it just took a little bit to get over that. that that's why I still remember it. Right. Uh, and I, whoever my scene partner is probably does not remember it, so it'll never be corroborated. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, I, you know, uh, it was just, it was a moment where we didn't have Congress and and now we do. Sharna's nice and I like, it's crazy that she allowed me to do classes at that age. Right. You know, because at some point somebody had to fill out paperwork, right? Like there had to have been some point where somebody in that theater knew that I was young. (laughs) You would think. But maybe not. Maybe not until I was carded. Maybe you question everything except the obvious mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. That's yeah. That's weird. Since it's part of Dell's lawyer's question everything. Yeah. Hmm. You kind know. of you found a loophole. Maybe. Yeah. Just Maybe. look old. Yeah. Look old. <laughs> how they long? S- how long did it take you to get on a team? Uh, I was on a team. I think level two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. I still have a roster somewhere. I posted it on Facebook from like, I don't know, 98 or something, uh, which was, I think, my third team. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was great. I did, I think, three Herald teams and then Dell's show that was Spoo, that uh, was called Spoo, mm-hmm. uh, that then Dell passed away while he was directing us and we went to Austin and did the show there and then... Shortly after that, I moved to Los Angeles. So you moved to Los Angeles before Amsterdam? Yes. For a brief, for a brief window, uh, I took a couple of Groundlings classes mm-hmm. out here. Uh, and then on the waiting list for Writing Lab or Advanced, I don't know what order they're in, mm-hmm. uh, I auditioned for Boom. Uh, and it was the second time that I had auditioned for Boom uh, because I did not get a call back even my first time. Um, and I think that's important to note because I think people expect that you know immediately whether or not you have what it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was definitely, I did, I mean, uh, I auditioned for Seth Meyers because he was, I think, helping AD at that point at Boom. Uh, and no, no callback, no nothing. Uh, and then years later, I auditioned again and got it. And same with Who's Line. Um, Who's Line called me in when I was. I want to say 19. Oh, wow. Uh, and they saw us in Austin. Uh, it was even, I was either 19 or 20 at that point. I'm not sure. I don't, or maybe I was 18. Uh, and but you I, looked 28. Yeah, I looked 28. 
Uh, Age is relative, we've we've now discovered. Yeah, it's great. Um, And yeah, I auditioned and had a great audition and got called back. And then they were like, how old are you? And I told them Mm -hmm. and they were like, "Uh, you're great. You're too young for the show. But we would love, I mean, we imagine we'll have you on someday. And it was very like uh, supportive and I didn't really believe them. (laughs) (laughs) And then the show got canceled. And then I ended up on it anyway, so it worked out. What did you know about Boom Chicago when you were auditioning for it? uh, Well, I knew that it was a Second City-style show. Uh, My friend Devin was actually auditioning for it, and I was super depressed. Uh, I had moved to L.A. to be a writer. Uh, Always was still thinking of comedy as sort of this secondary experience in my life that was informing my writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had sold or had optioned two scripts, uh, two screenplays, when I first got out here. Oh, wow. Uh, And my second screenplay got so many really atrocious notes uh, that I uh, was just sort of a basket case. Um, And I... My friend was like, hey, you're super sad. Do you, why don't you just come to Chicago? Because I was visiting my parents. Uh, why don't you come to Chicago and just audition for Boom with me? And it'll be fun and it'll be something to look forward to. And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, thinking in the back of my head, oh, I didn't even get a call back last time. I'm not sure this is the experience I need right now. <laughs> and then got it and really didn't think I was going to go and talk to my parents about it and was like, I don't think taking time out of LA is what I need right now to go to Europe. Yeah. To go to Europe. I'm already in the place that I know the roads are going to lead me back to. Right. And the, the teachers of the groundlings told me not to go too. they were like, you're really great. Um, you're up for writing lab and it'll be a year or two. You're already optioning screenplays. I'm, yeah. Um, but my mom and dad had never, my, they had never left the country and they were like, we don't know that, you are ever going to have this kind of opportunity to really grow ever again. So you should go. And my mom was very supportive and pushed me. She's like, you'll regret not going. You, you can always go in six months from now, come back and not much is going to have changed. But if you don't go, I won't forgive you. you know? I mean, not really, but you know, uh, and it ended up being the second best thing that ever happened to me in the list of things. The first one was doing the jam. (laughs) Second one was going to boom. Now, quite a few people, including yourself, have made great strides in show business coming out of Boom Chicago. Had anybody at that point made a name for themselves or Um, was it still an unknown? I think Seth had, uh, Seth had gotten us, he had just gotten SNL because he got it in 2001. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was the first, I think the first wave of people who had left Boom. I mean, there were other, there are other people who came back and, and were like, uh, respected writers or, uh, like working in the industry. So there, it wasn't like if you go, your life is over. Uh, there was some sort of idea that people would progress out of Boom to something else. But I think Seth was the first person to get a like major break. Right. So the knowledge that, Oh, this is a stepping stone to something and yeah. not just, yeah. oh, I'm taking a flyer yeah. for a year. And then while I was there, Nicole Parker 
got cast on Mad TV, and so did Josh Myers, and so, so did Ike. Right? Ike was on it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it was like, oh, this is, I'm in the right place. And then Jordan moved back, and he got it. And it just felt like, oh, there's a real momentum building in this theater, and I'm here at the right moment. Um, I also performed with Colton Dunn, who's now on Superstore. Uh, and while he didn't, you know, break immediately, right. and, and Matt Jones the same way, uh, there was just there was a sense that it was an engine of of make of honing. It was a like a blacksmith lab where they were pounding out the metal and making them into swords, and then they went out and fought the. Is my dog? Is the dog bothering you? No, the dog is. She's the opposite of bothering. She's a good girl. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it felt like there was it was the right place at the right time. Uh, which was really lucky. What was your uh, Amsterdam experience like, though? So, uh, well, uh, so the thing they don't tell you about Boom, I don't think, is that you're really poor. You're really poor while you're, while you're there. You're not. Do they say that the cost of living is low? The, no. Oh. Um, so you, <laughs> you're <laughs> Maybe po- it's changed you're now. So, Maybe it's no, changed now. No no, 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 no. Still? Okay. Well, I mean, you're poor. It is your only job, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, you don't have to be a barista. Yeah, or... you don't have to do anything else, and mm-hmm. it's your only job. And you're you're kind of famous. Uh, you're like up on billboards and on the uh, the like. Two months after I lived there, I was on the side of buses on ads and on uh, uh, bus stop posters and stuff, oh, and that nice. was crazy. And a huge, huge poster in the Light Supply, which was where the theater was then, it was like me, my face, and. Brendan Hunt and Jordan Peele and Jim Woods and Rachel Miller all on this huge, like, billboard right. for the year, you know? <laughs> and Did- I, I had moved from being an, an anonymous, effectively, in L.A. I mean, like, doing shows at I.O., which was just opening on Hollywood Boulevard and before that was on Santa Monica. Okay. So like there was no UCB here. You either did the groundlings or the beginnings of IO and there was nothing else. Uh, So to go from that anonymity to people recognizing you on the street and screaming boom Chicago and pointing at you or Chicago boom, which a lot (laughs) of the Dutch guys would do. Chicago boom uh, was crazy. Um, But you're very poor. Uh, So there's this incongruity between like People will recognize you at a mm-hmm. bar and you go home to a, uh, I had a studio that was smaller than this room uh, and it was 400, 400 euros a month, I think. And I was eating grilled cheese every night because that was basically what I could afford. Um, and I went back with, I went home with credit card debt because uh, like I had to buy clothes and stuff. So it's not, uh, it's not rich living, but on the other hand, you see the whole world. You, I did shows in Vienna, and I did shows in Germany and England, and like, how crazy is that? I get to, I got to be put up for a week in Vienna and do shows in Vienna. That was amazing. So, when you were there, which which did you focus on more the the gratitude of doing these great shows? Or kind of the oh I I'm sort of the, the magnet- I'm only eating grilled cheese uh, which which was kind of paramount in your mind uh, at the time. Um, I would say the thing that I experienced was sort of a, 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 a loneliness um, because you, you you do a show you do the show like five to six nights a week uh, and when you're not doing when you're during the days you're rehearsing that show. Uh, 
most of the days of the week or working on the next show. So you have one day off a week and you're poor and the food at Boom is half price for you and so are the drinks. So where do you go on your night off is Boom. And you wait for everyone else to finish the show and you only know those people in the building. Like that's the entire world is sort of the stationary cruise ship. Uh, And when I would go out to like the rest of Amsterdam, which is the most incredible city in the world, um, like I was too broke to like go to a restaurant or, you know, like if I was going to go to a club, I would wait until boom had a night where we were all going to a club together. So I would get in cheap or whatever she, she can go. Yeah. (laughs) She, the dog wants on your lap. (laughs) Let her on your lap. She's a good girl. Good girl. <laughs> so are you, were you on a contract with yes. them? Or? Okay. Yeah. So uh, here's... How many of, years is the contract? Brilli- uh, this is brilliant. Okay. This is brilliant. I'm going to give away, I think... <gasps> so it's a six-month contract when you mm-hmm. first get there. And I think this was the first time they did it. So it's a six-month contract. Then they offer you a year and a half. So at six months, you just, you just feel like you're like, you know where you live you have a cell phone. Uh, I mean, you're now it's, yeah, you're, it's like, oh, I know where I can eat for less than 30 bucks. Uh, I, I know where I can go in the city. So at six months, they're like, okay, well, if you want to stay, it's a year and a half. And you're like, that's, that's two years of my life that I'm going to live in this city. Right. And then you're like, well, yes, sure, yes. You know what? Yeah, who, very few people go back after six months. A few people have, but mm-hmm. most of the time they, they stay. And that two years, you really get it. And you've got your first, like, I think your first two raises. So you're not living quite as, like, desperately. Uh, you, you might have done a couple TV appearances. You, I, I booked a movie while I was there. And I'm like, this is great. And then they offer you another year. So you end up, it's six months. I feel like the, the question is, is it six months or is it three years with that contract? Mm-hmm. Um And for me, it was three years. And some people, like one of the guys I I went there with is still there. And he's been there basically for 10 years, you know? So he's the most famous comedian in Amsterdam? I'm (laughs) certain that most people know his name. Yeah. (laughs) At the end of three years. After, when I came back, I thought all these other people have made it onto television. They've they've been on Mad TV. I'm going to do that too. It's going to be great. Uh, turns out didn't work like that. Uh, <laughs> I you, brought, you don't I, just fly back to LA. Yeah, you don't fly back go to, to LA. The, go I to the studio. I was like in six months. Go, I'm like, the next one from yeah. Chicago Boom. Yeah, Chicago Boom. <laughs> um, I assumed that I would come back and audition for stuff mm-hmm. that other Boom people would be able to get me those auditions, but I had no sense of how reality is. Or how things actually work. I had no manager, no agent, no nothing. And at that point, I don't think Boom had enough of a, uh, of a name that people would be like, oh, she's from Boom Chicago. Let's have her in an interview. Right. Um, so I came back and uh, delivered groceries uh, out of my car. And I transcribed reality television for uh, foreign markets. Markets. And lived in an apartment uh, no larger than this uh, dining room. Hmm. And did that for a while. Uh, And was extremely frustrated and very depressed. Um, So, yeah. I mean, no. (laughs) What what got you through that period? What sustained Uh, you? 
Um, well, I'm an avid video game player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I played a lot of video games. Um, and sort of just a... I don't, I don't know. I, I felt like I was, I had done everything right. Like I started younger than anybody had and I did boom and I was on the waiting list for, uh, the groundlings still when I got back from three years later from, from (laughs) boom. Uh, and I was just like, it, it must be coming. I just, I just have to hold out. And I started doing shows at UCB, uh, and that helped like doing Herald night at UCB uh, and had a show at IO and was doing the Armando at IO because I'd been doing it so long. So both of those doors were open, which was very nice, but man, that was a hard couple of years where I was like, there has to be some, there's gotta be something. You never worried that you had peaked too early. No, no, no. Uh, like a child improviser. No, like a prodigy? Like a child prodigy? Like child actors who don't have adult careers? No, no. Because I, I, I had teenage improviser who... Because I still had never been on... No. adult comedy parts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You stopped being funny once you hit puberty. And... No, I, I, I knew that wasn't true because I had been, a, I had been good at Boom. Like, right. I knew that I was good. Um, had your parents come out to see you? At Boom, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, they so did. So they got out of the country they to come see They did get out of the country, and uh, they. we also went to Vienna. I brought my parents to Vienna, and it was a great. I mean, I didn't bring them. They mm-hmm. they went, but I went with them. And, um, yeah, no, they came out to see me, and it was awesome for them. They marveled at everything being weird. You know, they never left the country. So that was great. Why is everyone on bicycles? They loved the stairs. I mean, they hated the stairs. But the stairs, this word for stairs is apparently the same word as ladder in Dutch. Mm -hmm. So because the stairs always go basically straight up. So you, they love, they were like, this is an insane way to get into an apartment building uh, is to climb a ladder. (laughs) Right. It's like everybody lives in a loft. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, What was the, what was the first break that you got? back here in Hollywood then? Well, um, UCB had a uh, showcase for Lorne Michaels. Uh, and he actually showed up. And everybody else was angling to be on the show. And I thought, I'm going to demonstrate. I'm like, the chances of me being on the show are low. It's a, they literally one in a billion chance. But what if... I go on stage and I show up, show how good I am at writing, how how well how well I write, right? How do you do that in the I, in I, an SNL show? I performed a thing that could never possibly be on the show that was extremely well written and clever, but that had no business being on SNL and was not demonstrating a character. It was basically like, look how sharp this writing mm-hmm. is, um, and I look. I think that was a good choice. Uh, looking back on it. Right. Um, I <laughs> Spoiler alert, you got hired. Yeah, enough. but not from that. Uh, oh, not from that. Okay. Not from that. Okay. But I, I left that day being mm-hmm. like, this was the right thing to do. And I felt really good about it, even though I didn't get called in or anything. Uh, and then... Um, Wait, so what... If you didn't get called in, how did you rationalize in your mind that you had made the right decision because without, without any tangible, because a, a large part of the, the people in the house mm-hmm. were like, that was so great. 
Okay. Uh, that was so, so great. So you did get positive feedback yeah, like that you people, knew, okay, you had made the right choice. The thing. And it was something I'd written at Boom. So I was like, it's sharp, it's practiced. I know that there's no nothing nothing like it will be tonight. Uh, and it, he might remember one of these characters or one of the, but he'll, he'll definitely remember the song about atheism that the girl in the lab coat sang, uh, like that, you know, that'll be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but out of that showcase, uh, there was a guy at UCB who was like, this should be SNL. Like everybody in the showcase was incredible. This should be SNL. Let's make a show out of it. And so he created the midnight oh, show. Okay. That's how the midnight show got started. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then they fired uh, the guys who started the show. Fired about half of the people from that showcase. It's <laughs> a very Lauren Michaels thing to do. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you really give us. <laughs> we're we're going to do this just like Lauren does. We're going to make everyone paranoid and scared for their jobs. Yeah, and then uh, from that, mm-hmm. from the Midnight Show, I got a manager, uh, and that was I. That's my first break, uh, and it, I think those that sequence of events is important. I think. Uh, being in front of Lauren, not getting it, but feeling good, that show becoming a thing that we then did every month at UCB, and then that show getting me a manager, those are all, that's a sequence of events in my head. So that was, I think, my big break for me was uh, Todd Sellers is the my manager at, um, and will be until I die, uh, at Brillstein. Uh, he is the first person who believed in me out here. And then once... One person believed in me. I was like, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to make you a millionaire. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. Um, and then he uh, he said, do you want to audition for SNL? What's your dream? And I was like, I want to write for SNL, thinking it's much easier to get hired as a writer than as an actor that's hubris, I think, or naive. I don't know what that is. Um, I think it's like interpreting suicides as basketball instead of killing yourself. It's yeah, just maybe it's taking the alternate. Well, I was route. like, I was like, when everyone zigs, you zag. Well, everybody is trying to get on the show. No, who is pushing as hard as they can to be a writer for that show. So I sent in a packet one year that I thought they would like, mm-hmm. uh, that was like a perfect SNL packet. No response. I sent in a packet the next year. Once, um, the Midnight Show was talking about a pilot. I auditioned for Drew Carey for Drew Carey's Improvaganza and booked that. Um, once those things had started happening, I felt less pressure to be a writer on SNL. And so I sent in a packet that I thought was funny. And that was the year that I got hired. Hmm. None of those things that was in that packet made it to air. <laughs> Not, I mean, at all. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and you stayed one season, right? Yeah, or one more. season. One season. Yeah. How would you compare Lauren with Dell? Because they're both kind of icons with ne- bo- okay, enigmas. So, and- so both of those dudes have such auras auras of and, and legends around them. And yeah. I didn't experience any of that with either of them <laughs> at all. Uh, the first sketch I got on air, uh, Lauren Michaels, um, like we, we put it up. And it, it didn't do great at dress. Uh, so how did you sell it for air if it d- doesn't do great at dress? So it didn't, it didn't do great at dress. Mm-hmm. And I was, he was like, well, we, you know, we tried. Uh, and like gave me a pat on the back. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. But we had, it was, so there's four or five different stages at SNL where they put up the sketches. And one of them is underneath, underneath the audience facing out. So the audience can't see it yeah. except on, on the TVs. That's on the 
left. Yes. The far left. Yeah. Uh, and that was where my sketch played. So those sketches are always pretty cold to begin with. And Lauren really liked the idea. Uh, and had it had really cracked him up at Reed. So he chased me out into the hallway and was like, we can make it work. And, like, we hunched over a speaker together, and he, like, was like, just lose this part, lose this part, we'll cut it down to, we'll cut it down to two minutes or less, and we'll get it into the show. And I was like, okay, okay, so get it down to two and a half pages before, before it airs, before air. So his idea was to cut the time and not try to move it to a different location. Right, right. It was just, we'll get it, we'll we'll make it work. Mm -hmm. We can make this sketch work. And so we, we put it up, and it I thought it worked well, and and he had been so invested in in me and and the sketch, and it was great. What was the sketch? It was so the sketch is that that <laughs> the initial the initial pitch for the sketch. <laughs> okay, it's important because so, like <laughs> so much was cut. Was that it would be the cold? I was like, oh, I want to write this cold open sketch where. Mm-hmm. Uh, the th- the three factions of Congress each had a rep. It was like Pelosi, Rand Paul, and some uh, some somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all we're all arguing about who was interpreting the founders' intentions the right way, and that you know it was very like political, like clinical opening. And then Sudeikis comes in, and he's from the Pentagon, and he's like, you know what? Let's settle this once and for all. I built a time machine. We'll get George Washington into the room, and we'll ask him whose interpretation of the of the Constitution is correct, and then this is settled. And so they turn on the time machine. Mm-hmm. George Washington comes out, and he just starts screaming in terror. <laughs> that's all he does. He's, he's just screaming. So it's a long build-up just to yeah, see just like, George Washington ah, can't oh handle the future. He yells, are you gods or are you men? Uh, what is this nightmare? Like, <laughs> and screams in panic. Mm-hmm. And then when they're trying to subdue him, he pulls out his gun and starts firing at them. So they, uh, like, I think Pelosi grabs like a letter opener and they're mm-hmm. wrestling and they all end up killing Washington. <laughs> And in self-defense. In self-defense, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of my—it was my smart political take. I'm like, none of you guys, you're all monsters. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, Sudeikis is like, okay, well, let's not tell anybody that this happened. <laughs> and the, uh, the I, like the uh, it was supposed to, you know, live from New York, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when it wasn't the cold open, then you cut to the outside of the White House, which was flying a British flag. And that was the sort of like the right. end of it. Uh, and it ended up just being uh, the, th- hey, senators or Congress, like mm-hmm. uh, we have, um, we built a time machine. We're going to get Washington in here and he's going to answer some questions. Like that was like <laughs> <laughs> the intro is like forget all the setup. A sentence long. <laughs> Washington steps out, screams a bunch, and they kill him. And it's like, wait, what, what is this sketch supposed to be? Who played Washington? Russell Brand. <laughs> <laughs> sure, because he would have had a British accent. Right. Because it was Washington. he would have said colonial times. Yeah, it was colonial times. Everyone had a British accent. Mm-hmm. Because they were British. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So that was the first thing I got on. Well, he was always so nice to me. Like, 
like one of the, my la- my final weeks there, he came up and at the after party and was he was like you're doing such a good job and we're so happy with you and I, 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 it was amazing like he was nothing but nice to me so at that at that after party did you think oh this is my final week no but um i had another sketch i think the following week mm-hmm. that did really well that didn't get on air and uh downy uh, said said to me, "Hey kid, I I don't I don't know why your sketch got cut, got cut, but I do know that it means you're not going to be hired again." And I was like, "Oh, wow. uh, oh, okay." And he's like, "It was a great sketch. It's the, I you know I haven't fought for anything in all the time that I've been here, and I almost fought for your sketch." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man." And he's like, "But yeah, you're." Probably not coming back. (laughs) 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 I wandered off. (laughs) Uh, I hope that story is okay to tell. I don't know. You know, it's all true, so who knows? I assume it's okay to tell. Uh, (laughs) Statue of limitations, I think. Well, I don't don't know. I don't want to despair. The show is amazing. Uh, The people who are there are the most talented people I've, I've ever met in my whole life. Uh, Seth is an incredible human being, um, and I've made lifelong friends from my time there. Like Simon Rich is still like one of my good friends. Christine Nangle, who's now back in New York working on the President Show, is just a brilliant. Like I love all of those yeah. people so much. So yeah, I don't. Well, and you have things to fall back on. It turned out. Yeah, yeah, it worked out okay. Yeah, yeah. Because then you just went back to improv. Uh, yes, and I came back out here. Did you carry and uh, and auditioned for Who's Line, uh, and that was great and fun. And um, yeah, now I'm doing. I guess. You, and then you fell in with Fox with the animation, right? Um, so ADHD. The when that was going to be their thing for a while. The step. Can I say what the steps were sure. for that? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued by the process. Great. Um, so when I first got back, mm-hmm. um, I was really angry about a sketch that, uh, that they wouldn't let me bring to the table at, at SNL. Uh, cause I was like, you know, I turned in the sketch this last week and I know it was good and they wouldn't even let me bring it to the table. Uh, I thought they read everything at the table. They don't. There are things that they won't even let you bring to the table. Oh, wow. Uh, and they thought this sketch was impossible to produce oh. and, uh, and that it wa- didn't make any sense. Uh, and I was like, I know it makes sense. I know it's a great sketch. Um, and so it was never brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And so the week that I got back, we shot it. Uh, and it's Drive Recklessly, which is the um, Hitler car crash video. Uh, and we shot it for, I think, $15 in an hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon, the week after I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say it's impossible? Yeah. It's not impossible. And then that, uh, that sketch went super viral and got me nominated for an American comedy award, uh, against, uh, some of my former, uh, coworkers like Kristen Wiig mm-hmm. and, um, Michael Bryan, like, uh, uh, Charlie Sheen, like it was a right. really cool. It was a cool category to be a part of, and I was like, "Man, we should have filmed it." I would, <laughs> uh, but it, so so that. Did you fly back to New York for those awards? No. Okay. No, I I did not go to those awards. Okay. Um, so that video went 
really viral. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a bunch of job interviews because of it. Uh, and one of the job interviews was for a show at Cartoon Network where they did not know in the meeting that I had worked at SNL. I was only there for the because of the video. Uh, and at the end of the interview, uh, I mentioned something and they're like, well, it's, you know, either us or SNL. And I said, well, I don't think they hire you twice. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and they were like, like oh, they, you did not look at my yeah. uh, resume, my CV. Well, well, no, they'd seen the video. They thought it was funny. Right. Um, and then, so, so this, that, that video, uh, Got me the job at Cartoon Network for mm-hmm. a show called Incredible Crew, which I worked on with Mikey Day, who's now on SNL. Yeah. Uh, but um, that was that Cartoon Network show got me in the uh, sort of adult swim adult swim circle, mm-hmm. and very quickly after that, I was hired for uh, Nick Weidenfeld and Henbag Daddy and Ben Jones' new venture. Because Weidenfeld and they'd all just right. come over from from Adult, from Adult Swim, yeah. and they had seen my work at Incredible Crew, uh, and in that same time, I think was the Eric Andre show when I started working with those guys, uh, and then I was at ADHD for as long as it existed, which was I guess four and a half years or so, um, yeah, and then after that. Look, the on, the online portion that I was in charge of was a <laughs> wild success. I have this incredible gold plaque, uh, and I got nominated for a Webby. It was, I mean, like we did our jobs right. with. I mean, like so, like as best. Like, you are not the powers that be at Fox Television Network. Our channel has more subscribers than Family Guy, Simpsons, Bob's Burgers. Uh, the YouTube channel? The YouTube the, channel. Okay. Mm-hmm. ADHD YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Then all those combined. Like, we did our job. And, and then they closed doors. And I, all my IP and everything is just on the other side of a big fence that I can never pass. Oh. But a lot of people from that team started AOK. Mm-hmm. And we're building the whole thing as a brand new experience all over again from the ground up. Um, and it's harder this time because the YouTube algorithms are different. Uh, right. but we, I think we just passed like 15,000 subscribers. <sighs> Deep red. No, I've, you know, I'm, I'm an internet person and I've been doing my website for 10 years and every year it seems like I have to learn how the internet works this year. It's hard. It's and a lot of our, when tra- you're not a star, when you're not a famous person, even to, for that, it's, even for that, it's hard because like. The Jash guys had to do, they basically did it twice. Mm-hmm. They, you know, started with a bunch of stars and couldn't find their traction and then sort of relaunched with the same people and started anew in order to like really, because the internet works differently. For, star power doesn't guarantee anything on the internet unless you're an internet star. But the only way you can become an internet star is to be an internet star. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I feel like the internet has shifted a lot in the last four years and the old drivers of traffic, like I, I felt like to get featured on Reddit or to get, uh, noise on 4chan, mm-hmm. like that was a, a lot of like where the, the, uh, broth, the boiling pot of the internet was. When you were ADHD. Yes. And now the attitudes at those places have shifted. 
Uh, and in order to appeal to those places, you have to put forth a, the, your content has to be a little bit more toxic. Uh, and I, I'm trying to find sort of a third way where you don't appeal to any specific, you know, like core group, but still have content that people share. And it's a lot harder. Um, because I, I, I just feel like the stuff that people want now is darker or it's extremely dark or extremely misogynistic or extremely liberal or extremely wholesome. And there's no like just here's a funny thing. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the existential question for any creative person now in the internet area is how do I just get quality yep. content to people's eyeballs and ear holes yeah. without having to appeal to the extremes and because I, that's where the clicks are. I think uh, a, a sort of a microcosmic example of that is uh, the Midnight Show's online channel where Drive Recklessly lives, our, our biggest video for ever was that video. And then in November... Uh, that l literally changed. And another video that we made at about the same time called You're Fucking My Girlfriend uh, took off and now has, I think, twice as many views, even though it was uploaded years ago, uh, as the Hitler car crash video. Uh, where, where were those views coming from? The shifting interests of the public. Uh, they were coming from, they were driven by Reddit. They were driven by 4chan. They were driven by YouTube. Uh, but it, the number one video, like that video had like, I think seven or 8,000 views, maybe 40, maybe 50,000. And now it has millions and millions and millions and millions of views. And it's basically about a dude being cucked to death. Uh, hmm. and it, and even though none of that is in the, uh, um, promotional language for the video, even though it's not, it's just, it's a. It's an, right. Someone found it. Yeah, and... it's an angrier take on a thing, and I think that that's sort of a and it. I mean, it's like November fifteenth wow. is when the views start taking off <laughs> on that video. So, I don't know. I feel like that says something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just a week after the election. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Maybe. So with AOK, -okay, like, so have you figured out the third way yet? So I would say. No, not quite. We are still, we're still getting videos that have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views. We've had, you know, millions of views in a week. Um, but to get sort of the like, uh, like mindshare penetration stuff, it's, it's just, it, it's harder because if you do anything political, the, the sort of swarm the com the comments are I, I don't know how to articulate this the right way without also drawing a target on my back well let me let me ask you this question then uh i know there have been other sites over the last two or three years that have popped up doing similar things uh internet action force was one mm -hmm. uh, seriously.tv was another mm -hmm. and they both since come and gone mm-hmm but we're trying to do topical comedy the, yeah, online. Did you pay attention to what they were doing? We're, we're not trying to do topical comedy. Well, uh, that was their idea was if we're topical, that'll, that'll get us out of the 
big maelstrom. Because we're animation, you can't be topical because the the, the turnaround lead, time, the lead time is too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our 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 uh, pitch to record to. I think our process is about a month and a half. So you have to, like, especially with the president, you can't do anything that is, like, you, the shit from Monday is no longer, right? you know, like... I'm surprised Kofeve lasted as long as it has. Yeah. Um, we, we, I mean, in the Midnight Show, we did a sketch about Gianforte, is that his name? The, the Montana guy who body slammed that person? Oh, right. Which you didn't even, like, there was a moment there where you're like, oh, right, right, right. The... <laughs> The guy who body slammed a journalist. Uh, the day before the special election. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I feel like you can't really hit news stuff anymore because news is in totally different. It's like a, an insane river now. Right. There's so much happening in uh, in America and in the world that. Right. So the stuff has to be. <laughs> it used of... to be just that way with comedy on the internet, but yeah. now it's everything. 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 There's an information overlord. Yeah. Overlord? Overlord, yeah. That's... <laughs> I am the information overlord. Uh, if only I were, oh, man. I would have solved all this. <laughs> Maybe by the time you're listening to this, I'll have figured out. You're figuring out the third way for, well, so, for funny videos, and I'm trying to figure out the third way of quality so I, information. I actually hope that my uh, writing, the other guy who writes for the channel doesn't listen to this, because I'm, I'm going to throw his pr- point of view under the bus. Uh, he has sort of become ultra liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have always leaned a little conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not that I'm libertarian. So my, con- like it's that kind of mm-hmm. conservative. It's not whatever the hell is happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, so he's been like, he did a video that was like uh beauty and the beast with mansplaining. And that's uh, a very charged liberal take on on beauty and the beast it's it's like but he didn't uh, like in in his head he didn't articulate it that way he was just like oh wouldn't this be a funny combination a juxtaposition of these two ideas uh and the comments on it were ruthless ruthless like how dare you bring this social justice warrior bullshit onto our channel our channel there's (laughs) like that like there there was a real anger towards it Mm -hmm. and our second biggest viral video until recently was a a rap that I had written about Hillary Clinton, um, which was, was skewed slightly negative against Hillary Clinton. It wasn't like, you know, don't vote for this, Mm -hmm. this piece of shit or anything, but it was, it was like slightly negative towards Hillary. Uh, I can't imagine anything slightly negative against Hillary. Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, uh, and it was, it was, like a hundred immediately like a hundred thousand views uh and i think that says a lot about where what's happening on the internet who's driving yeah who's driving viral traffic right um i don't know i i I, but these days it could be the russians who are doing it yeah (laughs) i mean yeah we also have a video that uh that uh this the other writers eric Mm -hmm. moneypenny and he wrote a song about Donald Trump and uh, Vladimir Putin, again, before the election, uh, which is um, to the tune of Ebony and Ivory. Uh, And... Okay, I can picture it. That has less views than the Hillary thing, but it still still gets... It's a really lucky evergreen story. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> lucky. We're so lucky. Oh, God. <laughs> she she hates Donald Trump. <laughs> well, where does where does the pack theater fit into all of this? Um, because so, uh, I know yeah. I know that it's from Miles, and you performed with Miles for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you're over there now, uh, teaching, performing. The pack theater. So, um, God, I hope is that, this is that's like a fourth way. If there's, <laughs> there's a third. If there's a Groundlings, IO West, and UCB, the pack is the fourth well, way. Well, now there's tons of theaters. There's mm-hmm. tons. I mean, it's Groundlings, UCB, IO, the pack, the clubhouse, uh, West Side, um, Acme, I think, is still around. Like, there's tons of places. Uh, there's the theater in uh, Westwood called the Improv Space. There's tons and tons of places to perform now uh, that didn't exist. But that are also... But in terms of places that are also kind of schools? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the pack started because uh, Miles was um, very frustrated by I.O. Uh, where he... I mean, he was in the very first show that I ever saw. That The first field trip that I took, I saw Miles perform. Um, so he's been at I.O. forever. And I think... He, there, there's some fall, some falling out that I will take his side on, uh, and yeah, uh, he was was like, I want to, I'm going to teach my own classes. This is crazy. Like I have hundreds and hundreds of students, and I'm barely breaking even on like it's the theater takes all of all of the money from my teaching, and and I do these shows, and I get notes from other performers who have been working for a tenth of the time that I've worked. So he started teaching at uh, the, what is that place called? The Complex, before it was the PAC. Uh, and one of his teachers quit because he didn't want to teach anymore. And so Miles was like, hey, can you fill in on this class? And I was like, I'd rather put a gun in my mouth. Uh, but I taught because the money is great. Um, it is a totally different model from the other schools. The teachers are uh, intimately invested in their own teaching because they are the ones who are responsible for getting their own students. And they like you. It is it is as if there are five parallel tracks of teachers who are loosely connected, mm-hmm. uh, and each one gets the lion's share of their money. Uh, so if you want students to talk well about your class you teach well because that that's it like that is the relationship between between you and and having people to teach uh and from that body of students miles started putting up shows and renting out the space and then after there was a uh, enough community demand he was like well let's turn it into a theater and so that was how the pack was born i stopped teaching much much earlier than that because <laughs> oh, okay. i i hate teaching mm-hmm. more than any i'm I, I i imagine that the thing that people describe as stage fright is the feeling that i have in a class it's i feel awful teaching awful uh it, yeah, so I stopped as soon as I could, um, money-wise. Uh, but the rest of the, the teachers built that thing. Um, and I'm sort of, I would say, a satellite member okay. of the theater uh, in that I was sort of a founding part of the body of students. But um, 
it is it is the, the it is their work. It is their their heart and their blood, uh, and they've done an incredible job with it. And I get a monthly spot to perform, and that's great. <laughs> but the bulk of your energy right now is with AOK. Um. So okay. Uh. That's not entirely true. So <laughs> I uh I uh wrote on a Comedy Central show called Corporate that comes out oh. uh this. It comes out in the fall. Uh, the fall. Oh, yeah. that's great. Um, so I wrote I on that. Um, it's I. I've heard it anywhere from June to the fall. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I sold a show to Fox that we just finished filming, uh, which I guess I'm not kind of kind of mm. not allowed to talk about. It's, um, it's somewhere in the development phase. No, we filmed it. Um, okay. So it's we're just waiting on. We filmed a workshop uh, mm-hmm. of the pilot because it's a very unique thing. Um, I have four shows in various stages of development, uh, and those are all sort of money. It's, it's not. Uh, you, does that make sense? It's not like it's. It's not like oh, I'm I'm sitting down in my in my office and I'm working on a thing. No, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I think I think people, especially comedians, get confused because there's so much industry news online. Yeah, and it gets interpreted as oh, they have a show now. When it's all just different phases yeah. of right. development. I sold, from, I sold... From a development deal yeah. to a script to yeah. a pilot pilot presentation. I sold... Uh, my first show, I... Well, no, that's not even true. What, my, I sold a show to FX that was to star uh, myself. Um, they passed on that, but it might be picked up by another network, which is really great. Um, they did that with... Uh, that happened with Broad City. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed uh, to be FX, and they passed. And so, um, so I would say the bulk of my work is actually not being seen by anybody, uh, but it, the majority of my days are spent working on those things, uh, and then and AOK, you're getting paid for them. So it's yes, not like yeah. And then my and then AOK is something where uh, when I am available again, then I go back to work for AOK. Uh, but like for this Fox show. I they I stopped working for AOK and worked on the Fox show and then came back. Okay. Yeah. How do you how do you manage to juggle all of these things? Are you using the the tools from improv to just kind of help you? Um I I mean, I really want to make it. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that same that same philosophy that you had. Yeah, I uh when you when you came back from from Chicago Boom. Chicago Boom. When you came back from Chicago Boom, that feeling of oh, if I just keep doing this stuff, yeah, it'll a, it'll pan out. I have a yeah, I. So it I, doesn't matter if you have to do four or five things instead of just two, then that's just the way it is. I really believe, I really fundamentally believe that anybody who doesn't quit makes it on some level, and that the thing that people that makes people stop out here, uh, it is. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's a belief. I think that there is an inevitability with the social uh, connections that you make as a comedian. Uh, and a. have been, I mean, at this point, I have been doing this longer than anybody that I know except for Miles. Uh, and, and that's people I know, not like, like I don't really know Ike. And I know that in theory he's been doing it longer than I have mm-hmm. and that, that Seth has because been doing it because they're, they're older than right. me. But that at this point in my peer group, I, I've been doing this for ever, forever, forever. Uh, 
And everybody else that you started with is peeled off to different things. No, not entirely. Not, mm. I mean, yes, uh, but that's not. That's also mostly not true. Um, like, for example, one of my first shows was with um, my, my my college show was with Kristen Shaw, and she didn't quit, even though she had to wait tables in New York, and then eventually became uh, Last Man on Earth. Uh, that um, one of my other friends from that show uh, is on Wild and Out. Uh, Matt Jones and I were performing together in the year 2000, and he's on television all the time. Uh, Lauren Flans didn't quit. She was on Wild and Out recently. Did I say that already? You um, said someone was on Wild yeah, and so, Out. Yeah, so there, uh, the, the people who don't... Scott Spicer uh, moved out here at the same time, and he is on... Um, the Tick with Peter Serafinowicz on Amazon, right? right. That that everybody who didn't quit is working from that group, and I don't think that that means that that group was the greatest group of all time. It just meant that none of those people quit, no matter what it took. And in the other shows that I've done, anybody who is still performing and still doing it has made it. And I really think it's just not quitting. It's just the like, so I hadn't sold anything when Paul Rust got got his first big gig. Uh, and I perform with him every Thursday. And there are people who interpret that somebody else gets something, it means I'm never going to get it. Or there are people who interpret it as there are infinite jobs and jealousy is stupid because you can't, like, you can't get... The idea that this industry is limited is is ridiculous. There are as many jobs as a human being can write. So, and they keep making TV shows. And they, and they keep making them more and more every, yeah. every, every day. There's more TV now than there's ever been. There are more films now than there's ever been. There's internet. There's VR. And I think the people who are like, you know what? Never mind. Uh, I can't believe this person got it and I didn't. And that was, by the way, not at all how I felt about Paul, uh, who is brilliant and incredible. But I, you can't. you can't look at somebody else's success as your failure. And I think that's why people quit is they see somebody else's success as, well, why didn't I get it? Why didn't I get my shot? Right. It turns so, into bitterness. And then, yeah. And then they leave. And everybody else makes it. And then they get angrier. <laughs> so you just have to hang in there and keep keep making content, keep yeah. making work. Yeah. In the, in the, in the f- period in between ADHD and AOK, I had no work uh, I had, I, I, my show had been passed on. Like I was like, fuck this. I'm fucked. And I had to teach again. And I was like, did I peak? Is that it? That was the moment where I was like, mm. oh, everything is behind me now. But and there's a little voice in my head that's like, just don't quit. <laughs> just keep doing it. Keep doing your show on Thursday night. Keep doing it and it'll come back. And it did. And now everything's okay. <laughs> it's more than okay. Yeah, things are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Things are great. Things are A-okay. Things are A-okay. <laughs> Although we can't use that now because this is a this is white supremacy. Oh, right. You can't. You Just can't, a different logo. You can't make the A-OK logo anymore with your hand. Mm-hmm. Thumbs oh, up. Oh, God. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, the opposite of a nightmare. It was a dream speaking with you, Heather. Oh, well, thank you for so thank, thank you so much for thanks for coming over. It's my pleasure. Last
This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.